destroy some bondage and yoke in people's lives today. That He's going to give you freedom, give you, give you the ability to have deliverance today. I, I just believe that it's in this house. He is here to save. He is here to, to lighten your load. That burden you've been carrying, you walked in here and some of you felt like you were carrying a, a, a ton of a stone on your back, you know, just, just walking in those doors and just carrying it, and it's too much for you to bear, and it's been holding you down for a long time, and you've been praying and you've been seeking God, but it just seems like the heavens are brassed over and you can't seem to get any freedom, but I'm here to tell you today that Jesus Christ can break every chain, He can destroy every yoke, and He can deliver and set free, and I believe He's going to do it today, and the Spirit of God is in this house to take care of that. Amen. He can do that in the name of Jesus Christ. I, I'm telling you, I, I am I'm so excited about the things that we've heard and the testimonies that we've that we've received. And I I I believe it's incredible the way God just kind of works out the details of those that are going to be here. And I've said it before, but I'll just tell you: the more I've said it in faith, but the more I've prayed over, and you've prayed over these services, and God is, has given messages and, and songs and other things, it is amazing uh, when I say that you are here for a reason, that God has destined you to be here, and it's no accident that you are in this house on this day at this time. I believe it more than ever before, and I believe that my faith is now getting eyes to see. Uh, I think it was Augustine that said something like, you know, faith is the evidence of things not seen. But he said the reward is when you see it. And I believe that sometimes we're seeing little elements of the things that, that God is doing that we have believed in faith. And now he's, he's manifesting those things. So I don't believe it's an accident that you are here today. I believe that it's on purpose, that God has a plan, and that he's, he's going to make it work in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, I want to take you first to Genesis, the third chapter, verse 1. Right to the... To the very beginning where it, all, where it all started. You got any aches and pains? Anybody in this house? Yeah? Suffering a little bit? Anybody got, uh, you know, you, you, you've been a, a product of, of what, really what is, what is an epidemic in our nation with marriage and, and divorce and the, the attack on the family. Uh, Satan has been attacking the family. He is doing everything he can to attack the church, to attack the family. He wants to attack the basis of society, and he's done everything he can to try and destroy it and attack it. And some of you, uh, you are right now dealing with that in your own life, maybe, maybe because you are uh, part of a divorce, maybe it's because you just are, or maybe you're a, a child of, of a parents are divorced, or you, whatever the case may be, it really doesn't matter. This is not a, uh, trying to condemn you if you've been down that road. What I'm saying is, is that you have to recognize that that's exactly where Satan wants to be. That's exactly his business, and we want to push back the darkness. We want to bind Satan and cast him out. He has no business. He has no place in this house. He has no place in our family, and we want to get him out of there in Jesus' name. Well, it's, it should be no wonder to us that right there in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 3, see, God has created, He's created everything, and it was all good. He looked at it and said, hey, this is good. Everything I've made, it's all good. And then He makes man, and they're good. Perfect. They walked with God. Adam and Eve got to walk with God in the garden. We don't know all that story because it's not in there. It just goes straight from that point of creating them to God walking in the garden. But they knew the, the, they knew the sound of God walking in the garden because that's when it says they hid themselves. So they had had communion with God. They had spoken with God. Adam had seen God face to face. But he was able to. He was able to live in communion. But then 
In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, we see someone else introduced on the scene. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not, or ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, I want to stop there. We're not going into all of Genesis. I want to stop there. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. God has said, has God really said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Now let's turn to Matthew. If you would, and I'm actually going to throw a loop on my sound man. He's going to love me. Or my computer, the computer guy. Matthew, the third chapter. We're going to start right there. Uh, towards the end here. Let me tell you exactly what verse. I didn't write it down because it wasn't planned, but I think we need it. Let's start at uh, verse 13. Chapter 3, verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, And comest thou unto me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now who said it? God said it. God spoke God spoke to his own son and proclaimed to the whole world, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Let's go ahead and, and chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Then was Jesus led up in the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came, he said... Came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. And, and he, Jesus, answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up to a holy city, and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again the devil taketh him up to an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And he said unto him, All these things will I give thee, If thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. 
Jesus Christ, here he is, being, he's actually going through this process of being tempted in the wilderness. And he's going through this wilderness, this wilderness struggle. The same exact thing that happened to Adam and Eve. The same opportunity for him uh, to fall, but this was God's own son. He knew who he was. He knew his identity. He knew exactly where he was. And so he was able to stand before the devil and rebuke him and get him out of there. And so we're going to talk about this. I want to talk to you mostly about doubt. We live in a world of doubt, skepticism, confusion, constantly being bombarded. I mean, we don't even know which bathroom we should use anymore. Think about it. We're confused. We're confused people. I mean, that's pretty desperate. When you, I mean, when you have, when you get cold sweats walking up to the bathroom, not sure where you're supposed to go. That's dangerous. That's you know. I mean, I already had too many choices. You know, a million different sodas, a million different, you know, what do you pick? Well, all these different things. You go on, you know, I mean, wouldn't it be great if they just had one pair of, I mean, some of the ladies are probably thinking no, some of the men maybe too, but you know, you're, you, know, you, just, you just have one kind of shirt, one kind of shoes. I mean, how easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I got all these choices to make. Praise God for my wife. She just, you know. What are you doing with that on? You know, most of the time I don't listen to her. You already knew that. You could tell. But, uh, but anyway, you know, the thing is that we got all these choices. we got all these confusions. We live in a world where we've been told, we, we've actually been fed the lie that there is no absolute truth. Yeah. We've been told, matter of fact, the humanist, you know, uh, long ago, I think it was Descartes, you know, he, was, uh, he, he said, uh, you know, that uh, we ought to doubt everything. You ought to doubt everything in this life. He was a humanist. He he was a secular humanist. And he said, you ought to doubt everything in this life. Well, I kind of doubt his statement. Amen? If he says, I ought to doubt everything in this life, then I'm going to doubt what he's saying. But then I ought to doubt whether I should doubt everything. Amen? It's kind of like there are no moral truths. Oh, really? There There are no truths in this life. Really? Well, is that true? You ever thought about it that way? Something's got to be true. Something's got to be right. And so this world has thrown at us all this confusion, all these different things, and we don't know which way to go, which way to turn, which way, what what way's up. James tells us, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, I think uh, James, the first chapter, uh, verses 5 and 8. James just kind of was, he just, he was one that just tells it like it is, you know. Paul was very eloquent. I, love, I actually love Paul's writings. Very eloquent, very educated. And he knew how to really explain things in depth. James just kind of tells you straight out. He gives it to you in as few words as possible. But listen to what he says here. James 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and he shall give, be given him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering, for he that wavereth, he that doubts is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let, him, let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Wow. That's what that confusion and doubt causes. Now, every one of us has experienced doubt in our life. If you haven't, well, I, I don't know how to relate to you. I'm just saying. Every one of us has experienced things that we doubted. We wondered. But you ever had that childlike faith? I remember, as a matter of fact, it scared me to death. I remember Julia 
And actually, I think Jaylee even did it to me. And some of you may remember when you had your little kids, maybe they did the same thing. I'd be standing somewhere, they might be up on a porch or up somewhere, and they'd just be standing there, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, they jump right into your arms. But you're not ready and waiting. Now, now some of you, if you're admitting it, you probably say, well, yeah, I, I remember that because I dropped them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that probably caused some doubt in your little one. Well, I didn't drop them. Praise God. I didn't drop them. If you did, it's okay. You know. God will heal them. But you know what? It, it, you ever had that? They just jump. I mean, you, you know, why? Because there's this, they don't doubt you for one minute. They know that their father is going to be there to catch them, and, and they're not going to fall. And there's something that innocence inside of a child is the same kind of innocence that, that will cause them to just accept Jesus at his word and take him for what he says and say, I know, I believe you, and what you say is true. I remember the day, uh, my, my kids are teenagers now, but I remember the day when I knew the answers to everything. Y'all get where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> Brother, I see you in the back with your girls. Yeah, just Enjoy it while it lasts, you know. <laughs> I remember the day when I knew everything. And somewhere along the way, I got really dumb. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just lost it all, I guess. I don't know what happened. Oh, I love my girls. God has blessed me with some great girls. And they're, they're called to ministry. But I'll, I'll tell you, you know, it's, it's just something about it. I think we all went through that experience where mom and dad just some, suddenly something happened. It was that frontal lobe. For those of you that, are, that studied the brain, the frontal lobe finally connected and suddenly, what? Mom and dad don't know everything. I, I know what's going on here. So don't worry. Teenagers, it's just your frontal lobe. Just blame it on your frontal lobe, Okay. Yeah, we live in a world of doubt, but it shouldn't be so surprising because Jesus even called Satan out and said, he, you are, he, he was talking to the Pharisees, he said, your father's a devil, he was a deceiver from the beginning, he's the father of lies, and there, right in the garden, right at the beginning, here's Satan. See, God spoke to Adam And he said, you are not to eat of a certain tree. He told him, you are not to eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam communicates that to his wife, Eve. It it, it appears, anyways, that she wasn't a part of that conversation. She received it from Eve. There's reason to believe that. I won't go into detail. But there's reason to believe that Adam received it from God. Adam gave that command over to his wife. Hey, we're not supposed to eat of this. And then, I think that's why Satan went to Eve and not Adam. Because he puts a a little seed of doubt in her mind. Did God really say, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And all it took was just to get her thinking, did God really say? Now you just attach that in your life. Where, where do you want to attach it? I mean, everybody's coming here with different things, different things that surround you. Some of you have gotten some bad reports from the doctor. 
And all Satan is doing is trying to hound you and cause you to believe that, that it's, it's not, it's not going to end well, that things aren't going to work out. And he's just trying to speak things into your life as though they were. But let me tell you what, Satan has no power to speak things over you. But I know a God who calls those things that are not as though they were. He's literally the same God that spoke with his very mouth and said, let there be light. And there was light. He didn't need to take a few chemicals and start putting things together. He just literally, by the word of his mouth, began to speak out and believe that Jesus Christ, uh, he, he, began, he just spoke the light of the world into it. I mean, right then and there with his very voice. Right then and there. Everything was created from him. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And actually in that word, uh, you, you see it in the, I think it's the Latin, is ex nihilio, but, but actually that word in the Hebrew tells us very clearly that out of nothing, there wasn't something and then God, you know, began to change it. No, out of nothing, God created the heavens and the earth. He didn't need Legos. He didn't need things, you know, to, to put it together to try and get everything to get, you know, to work out of nothing. Now, we're doing a lot of crazy things. You've seen any, you heard the new report that now they've got designer baby? They actually have the first one. I don't think it was born. I think it was just, just uh, put together in the mother's egg. So I don't know, nine months from now, however long it takes. But in a lab, they've actually are, they actually have taken DNA from seven different men and fertilized a, a woman's egg. And the reason they did it was to try and pinpoint certain attributes they wanted from each of these men so, you know, now you can get a designer baby. I want a baby with blue eyes. I want a baby with blonde hair or black hair or red hair. I want a baby with, you know, this or that. I want them with long feet, short feet, you know, whatever the case may be. And so one day, Lord help us, come quickly soon, Lord. But one day you may see people going to the mall and ordering their baby. Think about it. Wow. More doubts, more confusion. Wow. Think about it. I mean, that, that's just, that boggles your mind. I mean, they got kiosks for McDonald's and, you know, all the, you've seen those? You, you can actually order on a kiosk. They don't really have them a lot in Oklahoma. You might have seen them somewhere. But I've seen them in other states and stuff where you literally, you don't walk up to a, a person. You actually walk up to a little kiosk and you punch in what you want. And here you are making your decisions. You're confused. Well, do I want to supersize it? Your wife, no, you don't want to supersize it. You know, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Oh. So doubts creep in, and they're trying to creep in now. But I want to show you a couple things that I see. First of all, Satan wants to cause you to doubt the Word of God. Satan wants to cause you to doubt the Word of God instead of you recognizing and telling your circumstance. You see, a lot of times our circumstance likes to tell us how big it is and how huge it is. And trust me, if some of you, you've been in the doctor and they say that C word or, or they say something terminal and suddenly it looks huge, doesn't it? It suddenly looks really overwhelming and really big, but that's when you have to tell that, circum, that overwhelming circumstance how overwhelming your God is. That He can overwhelm that circumstance. That your doubts have to go, that they have no place. Now, I, you can rebuke your doubts. 
because often your doubts are, are a product of an evil spirit, Satan, demonic, demonic things. Now, you, is there a demon behind every bush? No. We have plenty of our own mind to cause us to get confused, and we certainly need to keep our mind in subjection. But do you believe that there's demonic uh, things behind it? Absolutely. Who, who do you think Satan is? Satan, a fallen angel, is the one who caused this in the first place. And he's the one that goes up to Jesus. So don't, you know, don't doubt it for a moment that he will send out his henchmen to cause you to start doubting things and questioning things. But we've got to trust the word of God. And you have to come to a point in your faith where you say, God, I trust your word. I trust who you are. And I'm just believing that you are going to take care of what you say. And sometimes... Now, I'm a person who asks a lot of questions. That's just by my nature. I ask a lot of questions. I ask a lot of things. And so I kind of come to things very much with, uh, you know, I want to know this. I want to know that. When I first got saved, I drove my pastors crazy with all my questions. Will you tell me I'm not supposed to do this? Why? What does the Bible say about it? I really kept them on their toes because they had to know the Word of God. You know, I mean, because I was always asking a million and one questions. My wife grew up in the church, and, and she just has that... She just goes with it, and she knows, okay, God said it, this is in the Word. You know, it's kind of the old, God said it, I I believe it, and that settles it, right? You know, you've heard that. But I always wanted to, I always had these questions, always had these things I come up with. I believed God, but I wanted to know what it said. I wanted to know what the Bible said. And so I would approach these different things, and I'd ask these different questions. But I'm here to tell you, sometimes you, you won't get all your questions answered. There are some questions that just won't be settled this side of heaven But God has given you enough to have faith to believe. God has given you enough to trust Him. He's caught you enough times that you know you can jump. You know, your faith isn't a blind faith. It's it's substantiated on a substance, on an evidence. Even, Even this Word of God is not blindly telling you to follow God. That's why John and actually the other disciples could clearly say things like, uh, this is Jesus. We have, we have said these things that you might believe on Him. Why? Because we've seen Him. Because we've touched Him. Because we've felt Him with our own hands. They investigated it. They saw it. John wanted you to hear about doubting Thomas. And Jesus wanted you to hear those words that blessed are those who, uh, who believe and haven't seen. But it's not built completely foundless. No, God has given you enough to trust Him with the ragged edges that this world gives us. He's given you enough to trust Him. But we have, to, we have to say, God, I trust you, and I trust the Word of God. I trust your Word, because that's exactly what's happening in the garden. Is it not? Do, do you believe God's Word? I mean, that's God's Word. He had spoke it to him, and now what is Satan doing? He's questioning the very Word of God. What did he do with, with uh, Jesus? Let me remind you, Jesus. I had to read this part. Jesus is standing there. He's getting baptized. He goes under the water. He comes back up. The dove descends down him, uh, down on him. Uh, you know, the, the, the Spirit of God, like a dove, descends upon him. And then God the Father, up in heaven, cries out with a loud voice, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Others around it heard it. I, I just really believe, you know, Jesus was despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 53, and he grew up. He grew up in ridicule, people questioning the motives of his mother who wasn't actually married when she was found pregnant with a child. Even God had to intervene on behalf of her husband and speak to him and allow him to know that this child is from God. 
Because in that community and in that culture, she'd have been stoned. Yeah, bad, right? But she has this child, and then all her life. Look at John chapter 8. I'm not, we're not going to go there today. But, but just take time, sometime to look at John chapter 8, the conversation that Jesus has with the Pharisees, one of my favorite conversations that goes on, boy, because that's one of those that Jesus really gives them a punch in the face. Man, I'm telling you, it's incredible. I love it. You've got to read it with that understanding. But John is, uh, Jesus is speaking in John chapter 8, and he has this conversation back and forth with the with the Pharisees, and they start talking about whose daddy's who. You know, I've brought it up before. And, man, they're going along. But I want to I wanna pinpoint this to you because there were people that knew that family that, that still to that day had questioned Jesus as he was growing up. Well, you were born, but your parents weren't married. And, and you, know, they, you know, son of God, what are you talking about? But here, Jesus' identity was secure. But if anybody had any doubt, right there in that baptism, God speaks out from heaven. And he says, this is my son. Jesus goes into the wilderness knowing the word of God. Jesus goes into the wilderness knowing that he truly is the son of God. And not only has he believed it, but also there's a one in heaven who's bore witness with him that he is the son of God. God didn't leave him to try and cause people to figure it out on their own. But he had a testimony and a witness from God Almighty saying that this is who he says he is. He is the son of God. He is God Almighty. Just like John in John chapter 1, that in the beginning God uh, created... I'm sorry. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was the light of light, and, and the light, uh, I'm sorry, in Him was the life, and, and the light shined in, in the darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. I'm sorry, I'm getting it mixed up. But the bottom line is, is, is John is saying, this is, He's existed always throughout eternity with God. And now He's came and clothed Himself in flesh, and He's living among us. But here in Matthew, he tells us, God himself says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And what happens? He goes into the, into the wilderness, and what's the first thing Satan says? Now, you might get caught up with the stones and the, drop yourself off the temple and, and bow down before me. But before any of those temptations, notice the word that is spoken. If you really are. The Son of God. That's what it was all about. Doubt. Confusion. Really? Did God really say? This is the same thing that happened in the garden. Did God really say that you are the Son of God? He will always cause us to doubt the Word of God. Remember this. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith is, is the opposite of doubt. As a matter of fact, uh, we had it up on the billboard. I don't even know who quoted it, but feed your faith. Feed your faith, and your doubts will starve to death. Start feeding your faith with the word of God. You don't know where to start? Just start somewhere. I'll be honest with you, God has a way of working that, those details out. Now, don't, don't get trapped, okay? Don't get trapped in the whole, well, I'm going to, you know, there's this one guy, you know, he's, you know I'm just going to go to the Word of God and see if it will direct me. He throws down his Bible and it opens up and it opens up to a passage and, and says, now Judas went and hung himself. 
He's like, Lord, help me. He said, oh, I'm going to try this again. Grabs his Bible, throws it down again. And then he sees in the red letters, and Jesus said, go and do likewise. Uh, let's, not, let's not go off of one scripture and random, and random uh, uh, details. Let's get into the Word of God. I don't want just a little nibble. I want the whole thing. I want the whole counsel of God to speak into my life, right? But, but here's, and here's one of the things you got to catch. Remember what Satan did, his tricks. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. But remember what he did with the Word of God. Not only does he cause you to want to doubt the Word of God, but he's not afraid to quote the Word of God. He says in one of his temptations, he said, Hey, you know what? You throw yourself off this temple, and the Bible says in Psalm 91 that God's not going to let a foot not let your foot dash a stone. He's going to send the angels down to come and save you. So come on, prove it. But Jesus just responded back with the word. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He just responds right back with them with the word of God because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, just going to the Bible and just pulling out a scripture doesn't mean that you're really going to build your faith. But as you begin to dig into the word of God, as you begin to have a prayer life, and as you begin to speak to God and commune with him because he's given you that ability, boy, let me tell you what, your doubts are going to start to shrink and your faith is going to be built up. Right? Amen. Second thing, Satan wants you to doubt your identity, who you are. Boy, do we have this ever happening in our, in our, in our life. You know, do you know one of the first things that God said is he created them male and female? And what's the battle happening today? We have, we have corruption in our world that, that is physically attached to our bodies. Sometimes there is deformities and, and people are deformed and things don't work out right and things don't form right like they should. And that is all a product right there from the fall in Genesis chapter 3. So it certainly happens that people are born with certain deformities. But it is very clear that Jesus, that God spoke that he created us male and female. And yet we are bombarding our kids and bombarding our youth with the idea that you ought to just try out who you are. You know, I, I just I kind of jokingly tell people nowadays, why in the world would you waste money on an ultrasound? They can't tell. You don't know if they're a boy or girl till they're 18 or 19 years old. <laughs> Is that not our society? I mean, that's where we're at. That's what they've convinced you. I mean, that's what they're trying to. I hope, hope they haven't convinced you. Just because a, a boy doesn't act as... As manly as every other boy, suddenly we've pinned him as being, oh, well, you, must, you might be more of a girl. What? Don't let, don't let man or Satan or any demon in hell tell you what God has already called you. Don't try and let them tell you something that God hasn't spoken into your life. You know, I mean, th- that is just crazy. God made you, and God is more than capable of giving you your identity, and you don't need to allow this world to try and corrupt you and tell you who you are. You need to stand firm in that. I realize that there is a portion of people that, that they need counseling. They don't know because of certain things that are going on. I'll just be kind of uh, uh, bland here, but, you know, it's like one-tenth of one percent anyways 
And the bottom line is, is even in their situation, there's a God who still loves them and cares for them, and there's a God who can still give them assurance and identity. Do you know how many of the people that are being allowed, and now I heard, Aretha and I were talking about, she had mentioned someone eight years old being allowed to go through a sex change. Are you kidding me? That, they ought to put the parents and the doctors in jail for something like that. They ought to put them in jail for something like that. I mean, you know, the crazy talk like that as far as, you know, as far as going through that thing. But do you realize, have you ever gone into the stats of, of how many people that go through those changes actually are, are horrified with the situation they're in? Many of them won't tell you out in the open because they're not going to admit to you the struggle they still have. Why? Because it didn't really solve anything. They changed something physical, but it was never physical in the first place. The problem was not something physical. And so we have to recognize that. If you're struggling with that, I, I mean, if you're struggling, we all have struggles. I know, I know there are people who would be repulsed by it or whatever, but if you're struggling with your identity in that situation, you need to come talk to someone. You need to, you need to go to God, though, and especially to recognize that your identity is wrapped up in Him. And don't let people call you something you're not. Or speak into your life or say you got to try things out. You don't got to try nothing out except what God says. You can trust the Bible when He says, one man, one woman for life. That you don't have to try things out, try it before you buy it or anything like that. That you will find more joy and more peace when you just do it God's way. Trust Him the first. Is there grace and mercy for someone who hasn't done it God's way? Absolutely. 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 And in many cases, he can completely restore what is broken. But, wow, how much greater if we just trust him first and do it his way and say, God, I just, I'm just going to trust you with this situation. I'm just going to trust you with this situation. You'll never find true independence. Freedom. You know, everybody wants independence, right? You will never find true independence or freedom until you find your identity in Christ. We've got people searching, people doubting, but you will never find your true identity until you found it in Christ Jesus. Satan wants you to doubt your identity in God. He wants... See, Jesus could have said, well... I heard that voice, and others, I think others heard it around me. No, he knew exactly who he was. I am the Son of God. Do you realize the great power in that word is that because Jesus was the Son of God, and because he died on the cross for you and I, and because he went to the grave, and because he rose again, that you and I, John said it this way, Behold what manner of love God has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Wow. Isn't that amazing that today you are a child of the King. You are a child of God. You are a child of Jehovah. You are able to walk in that and walk in that authority. And you are able to know that He has you. That He will be with you. That He will not leave you or forsake you. He has given you all kinds of reasons to believe Him and to trust Him with His Word. And He certainly has an identity. He certainly has an identity that He wants you to be able to walk in. The last thing I want to mention to you, I didn't actually have it in my notes, but I just feel like God spoke it to me as we were here at the end. Remember, Satan's going to cause you to, to deal with the doubts, and doubts in the Word of God. 
He's going to cause you to doubt what God says you are, your identity in Christ Jesus. But then I want you to notice the authority that Jesus demonstrates that you and I have today. And that is, in, John, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, Then Jesus said unto him, Get out of here. That's my own words, but get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. Everybody say it. Get out of here. Those words right there, you've been given authority by Jesus Christ to speak those words. You've been given authority by Jesus Christ to say, Satan, get out of here. Satan, you have no business in this church. Satan, you have no business walking through our doors of our home. Satan, you have no business going into my car as I'm driving to work or school or wherever I play. Satan, you have no authority to come into my life to hound me, to hound my family. Some of you just need to start speaking over your family, speaking over your husband, speaking over your wife, speaking over your children. That, that Satan has no authority over them, that every single thing belongs to God. It is his. It is not yours. It is not Satan. There's the other thing that will mess you up all the time is when it belongs to you. You'll try to protect your kids. You'll try and protect. Satan will love it. If you won't give yourself over to Satan, he'll just, he'll just try and get you to give yourself over to you. You protecting everything. You holding on to everything. You, you trying to make everything happen. You trying to make everything last. You trying to hold it all together. Make it all happen. Make everything work like you think it ought to work. And yet God is up above saying, Hey, just give it over to me. Surrender it to me. Give me your kids. Give me your wife. Give me your house. Give me your cars. Give me everything that you have. And then you will see the blessing that I want to pour out through you and in you and use you. Sometimes we just have to say, God, I give this over to you. It belongs to you. I deliver it to you. So let's just go ahead and and, and let's ball up our fist in front of Satan and say, Satan, you have no authority here. Satan, you are out of this place. I believe in what God has said of me. And I believe that some of you need to speak over your, over your husbands. And you need to take on the identity of your father when you speak over them. This isn't in my notes, but I just believe that it's important. Listen to what I'm about to say. I believe this is important, and then I'm going to close. Your father is the kind of God who calls those things that are not as though they were. And some of you are seeing things in your spouse. And you keep trying to change them. It doesn't work. It just gets you frustrated. Right? Anybody that's been married very long knows that. You can't change your spouse. But you need to start speaking over them. That spiritual leader in your home, maybe they're not acting like a spiritual leader. But you need to start speaking over them and praying over them as though they were, even if they're not doing what they need to. Even if they're not where they need to be, you need to start speaking it over them. You need to start speaking it in their life. Same with your wife. Men, you, you, you need to start speaking into your wife. you got a, pro, a Proverbs 31 wife, whether you knew it or not, because God has designed her that way. God has put it in her heart, and you can speak life into her, or you can speak death into her. I mean, there's power, life and power are in the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Isn't that, isn't that amazing that you can speak that life into it? I'm not talking about 
name it, claim it, all that thing. But I am saying that sometimes your words are defeating your own soul. Sometimes your words are casting your, your soul and your spirit down and driving you into depression and doubt and fear and confusion and causing your family to be confused too. And you just need to say, I submit my words, my very tongue, over to Jesus Christ the Messiah. I give my life to Him. I surrender it all to Him because I know it belongs to Him and I know that He's given me authority. You're not speaking in your own power. But as you begin to speak and ask things, not doubting, but you begin to speak and ask things according to God's will, step back and watch what God is going to do. He's going to begin to move mountains. He's going to, the things that you saw in your life that you thought there is no way this could ever happen, God is going to start making a way in the wilderness. God is going to start making a way where there seems to be no way. And He's going to deliver you and give you a hope and give you a peace. I believe that you can speak life into your spouse. And for some of you, that may be, you may be even be stepping back and struggling right now. And you're saying, that's a hard thing to do. But I know that your God can do it through you. Amen. Speak over your children. Speak over your children. Pray over your children. Start praying for your children's spouses. Wow. I've got teenagers in my home. They're not, I don't think they're looking at any boys to be getting married. I hope they're not looking at boys. Just saying. Sorry, gentlemen, but I hope not. Right? I got. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, guys, I'm telling you, start praying over your kids. Pray over their spouses even though you don't know them yet. Even though you don't know them yet. Man, I'll tell you, it, it's going to be powerful. You start lifting them up. Lift up your brothers and sisters in Christ. In this church, in this church, start speaking over people that normally they're your... We, we used to have this saying, we, we said everybody's got this EGR in their life. You know, your, your EGR. And so you're probably going to think of this as soon as, as soon as I tell you what EGR stands for. It's extra grace required, okay? In other words, you need extra grace to deal with that person in your life. And, and you probably have that person even in this church. You think of that's the person, that man, I just, it, it takes everything within me to love them. Uh, God has to work in my heart and life every single time I get around that person because they just get me the wrong way. You need to start speaking life into them. You need to start speaking up to them. When, when you start talking about them, and, and you're not trying to... But I mean, if you're gossiping, just, just stop it because the gossip's a horrible thing. But you're not even trying to do that. You just start talking about them. Suddenly negativity comes out of your mouth. Then you just, you just recognize it the moment it starts coming out. And you say, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ. And you begin to speak life into that person. And you begin to speak love into that person. And you begin to speak what God is saying over them. And pray for them like God prays for them, not like you want to pray for them. Amen? Wow. Wow, what God can do through you and I when we surrendered ourselves and given everything over to Him, and it all belongs to Him anyways, it's just a moment we say, God, I, I put my identity in You. God, I believe what Your Word says despite every attack of Satan and every single doubt that comes through my mind. And I bring those, every single one of those things that come into my mind, I bring them under subjection and captivity to the name of Jesus Christ. I do it right now in Jesus' name. I believe that you will, Your life, as you begin to do this, it is not for some of you, 
that have not experienced that and not practiced it long, it will not come overnight. And, and some of you have practiced it, but sometimes it's easier than other times. But I promise you, it is a life changer when you begin to trust the Word of God and, and trust the identity that He has given you. Let's, would you all stand? I'm going to give you some hope here. It's about to end. And we're way, past, way before noon. Praise the Lord, right? <laughs> would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father God, we just pray right now. I just pray and join with the saints as we pray right now, Lord God, for a mighty outpouring of your Holy Spirit. I know that you are in this house and around these altars even right now. I believe right now, Lord God, that you want to do great and mighty things. I believe that there are people who have been struggling with their identity. Satan has been bombarding them. He has been bombarding their mind. He is causing them to live in fear and depression and doubt. He is causing them to continually struggle with family issues and and relationships. He's causing them to to struggle with their finances. They don't even know how they're going to pay the bills. But I know a God who is able. We trust you, Father God, to be able to deliver us, to be able to help us in our time of need. And I just pray right now, Lord God, that those that are struggling in this house with who they are, those that are struggling with anything in their life about, about what they're supposed to be or who they're supposed to be, I just pray right now, Lord God, that you begin to speak to their heart and draw them and woo them. I pray, Lord, if someone is in this house and they do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I just pray right now that they will be drawn by your Spirit, that they won't leave this house without reconciling their soul and spirit to you, without surrendering their body over to you. You want all of us. You desire all of us in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Every head bowed and eye closed. I just want to ask you, are you in this house and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You're in this house and you say, I do not know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Anyone in this place? Anyone in this place? All right. Now I want to I want to ask you something and for some of you this will be real personal. But I believe God wants to do something. I believe He's already ready to meet you right down at these altars. But you're just struggling with some form of doubt in your life. Maybe it's identity. Maybe you haven't figured out who you are. Maybe you're struggling because of maybe people have been telling you your whole life who you are. But it's not what God has said you are. And you're just struggling with your identity. Maybe some of you are just struggling with doubts because of of reports you've gotten from doctors or whatever. There's nothing to be ashamed about. The only only bad thing you can do here is to be struggling with doubt and not surrender it to God right now. That's the only bad answer is to walk out of this place continuing to walk in fear and doubt and depression and, and identity crisis. 
The Holy Spirit is here. Don't, don't listen to me, but listen to the Holy Spirit. If you have any kind of doubt, you're, you just need prayer for healing in your body and you want others to come around you and build up your faith. I want, I want to have you come. Would you just come? Uh, we're going to have people praying for you, but I'm just asking that you just come. You just say, I, I just need prayer. I need healing. I, I've got things that are causing me to doubt. I, I'm opening these altars. Let's come. Let's come.